Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny FD. Hey everyone, this is Johnny and welcome to episode 131 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I am with my buddy, Nicholas Gregoriadis. Good to be here, Johnny. Thanks for having me on, bud. I'm excited that I finally pronounced your name correctly. <laughs> what is it? It's only been like five or six years and you finally got it right, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Nick's been on the podcast a few times. Episode 8, Black Belt Business Jiu-Jitsu with Nicholas Gregoriadis, as well as episode 73, Know thyself. Does having a six pack and a hundred grand a year make you happy? Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, I still don't know the answer to the hundred grand a year question, but hopefully I will soon. Yeah, are you? Are you? You're making a hundred grand a year. Not a fuck, dude. Seriously? No. No. What are you doing on the show? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I wish I could say I am, but no, I'm not. I'm not. You, I remember you were making really good passive income for a while. Did that? Did that drop, or did it just never add up to hundred grand? Um. So my income has never actually been that passive, Johnny. Like most of the stuff I do requires a lot of um, on-hands management. Uh, I just left one of my businesses because I just couldn't take the amount of energy and time that it was requiring of me. So I just um, I left that one. Which, uh, which business was that? Uh, it was a business, uh, medical education business. Oh man, that was a big source of income. Yeah, yeah, it really was. How yeah. much were you getting per month for that? Um, I mean, I was probably making a few grand a month. Like three grand, five grand? Yeah, probably five grand. That's a, yeah. that's a lot of money to walk away from. Yeah, it is, but uh, it wasn't making me happy, bud. Um, and I felt that the mental energy and stress that it was, the toll that it was taking on me, I just realized that that energy, I needed that energy free to take things to the next level, if you know what I mean. You I, I, I respect that a lot, absolutely a lot. It, and it's crazy because I think from the outside, when you first told me about that, and I think we talked about it in one of the episodes, it sounded like the dream job. You, you know, you were partnering with a guy who was in the medical field. Was he a doctor or? Uh, he is a doctor. He's still no. my business partner in another business I have. Um, yeah, and he's a, an incredible doctor, an incredible man. Um, it's just his vision for that particular vis- business and my vision, like they kind of diverged a little bit. Like what it, what it would take to take that business to the next level, I, I didn't have in me. I wasn't, I'm not interested enough in the medical profession for me to get excited about it. You know, I think that was what was really interesting about that was the fact that you were more of the, the web guy and that's not really your strengths, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like I, I think... We're both better than, let's say, the average person who doesn't know anything about web at all, mm-hmm. but neither of us are that techie. Yeah. Yeah, we're not, I mean, I think guys like you and I, we're not really technical guys at heart, you know, like we're more, it sounds so wanky to say, it, but I think we're more like artists in our own way, you know? Um, <laughs> and so it's diff, it's difficult. I think it's, it's one of the great travesties is when an artistic person uh, has their skills or their ability shoehorned into something that they're good enough to do, but they don't really shine in. And then after a while, they they keep knowing in the back of their minds that like, this isn't exactly, I'm not shining here. I'm not doing what I should be doing. But after a while, as you know, I heard on one of Ferris's podcasts, one of his guests said, uh, the most dangerous thing you can ever say is, uh, but the money's good, you know, and 
uh, it hit me with that is I realized like, yeah, the money is good, but the feeling isn't, you know? I, I 100% agree with that. And if anyone is listening to this and you guys live in Dubai, you, I, I'm willing to bet <laughs> you have said, but the money is good. Yeah, yeah. I've never met anyone there that is really happy with their life and their job and being there. 100% of the people I've met that live and work there have said, I'm, the money is great. Yeah, I really, I mean, I do respect... I respect that kind of mentality. Like I'll, I'll put five years of my life into something, make a huge bankroll, and then I can do whatever I want, wherever I want. I respect that a lot. Um, Sam Boyd, the owner of Phuket Top Team, one of the MMA gyms down south, he worked either on an oil rig or a coal mine in Australia oh, wow. for five years, saved up every penny, didn't go to strip clubs and you know drink too much, bars and do everything else You know the people on his rig were doing. Mm-hmm. Saved all of it up, over a hundred grand, came to Thailand, opened this gym because that was his dream. Wow, that's fantastic. That's really cool. And so it's something like that I, I respect a lot. Yeah, me yeah. too, me too. I, I kind of respect even more, even though it's a lot harder road and it's the chances of success aren't as high. I respect the guy who's like, I'm going to look uh, towards my dreams and just head in that direction. And no matter what happens, just push myself. And then he's the guy who like eventually succeeds and achieves, you know, like I love that story. Like your story is similar, man. You walked away from, it's my understanding. I don't, I don't know the story very well, but you walked away from something pretty stable in LA um, with nothing and you struggled struggled for a while you didn't go work in a coal mine or anything like that but you struggled for a while but you struck it rich bro like uh you and i love that i love that that's if if i think of my story that's the way i would like my story one day when i relate it to someone to play out you know i like it i mean the fact that you walked away from sixty thousand dollars a year is a big accomplishment Thanks, I mean, man. And, and it's not like you're making 60 grand at a full-time job even though I, i'm sure it took a lot of time mm-hmm. you're still able to do other things on the side and, and work on your other businesses or other opportunities but it just i agree i can i can see why that would take such a, a big mental space where even if you had time to do other things you couldn't really commit to other things yeah it, it, you 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 articulated perfectly it was a big mental space i remember like I mean, it was only a few weeks ago that I left that business and it's now at the point I wake up in the morning, I don't have that sinking feeling of like, I'm going to turn on my phone and there's going to be some email about an urgent issue or some, do you know what I mean? Like that is, that to avoid that is worth more than $60,000 a year to me. Like I just, I couldn't live like that anymore, man. I really couldn't. So I'm curious, did he buy you out or anything? Did you at least get a lump sum? No, I actually, I just, uh, I just walked away from it. uh, And I feel that that was the right thing to do because he definitely put in more work to that business than I did. um, And it just was the right thing to do. You know, I, I respect that so much. I think to me, that's a very abundant mentality. I think there's a lot of people, they feel entitled to to have a chunk of something, even though they haven't put the work into it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite TV shows is The Prophet. And, I haven't seen that. Oh, it's such a good show. Okay. I, I, I really think you'll like it. I, I'll watch it tonight. If you like Shark Tank, you'll love The Prophet. He's like a smarter version of the sharks that not only does he invest in the company, he goes in, gets his hands dirty, fixes everything. Oh, it sounds interesting. It's it's amazing. But one of the things I learned from it was every time there's an investor involved, so they'll go and, and they'll you know they'll meet the owners who are struggling, the business isn't going well, they need markets to come in and kind of save it. And then they find out kind of down the road that there's someone that owns a third of the business who never shows up. They just put maybe some money into the business or maybe they did a little bit of work in the beginning and they show up to the meetings always very smug, always kind of uh, thinking they're, you know, that they, they're entitled to uh, this big chunk of the business because 
it's on contract or because they were there in the beginning. Even though the other, you know, the the main person, they're there every day, seven days a week sometimes, working at the business and struggling. There's that one person that's kind of like, oh, well, you know, I'm, you know, I technically own a third of it because I started it, even though they haven't been there kind of throughout. Mm-hmm. And that person, it's, it's one of those weird things that obviously they have money, you know, they have, or they had enough money to get in, or maybe they just got lucky. Uh, but either way, it's, I almost never see them kind of just, you know, being the, the better man and saying, you know what, why don't you do, dilute my shares? Because obviously you're putting in more money. These guys are the ones doing all the work. I haven't done anything in the last year. I haven't even showed up in the last year, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, maybe I, sh- I shouldn't be involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Uh, you mentioned abundance mentality, and I think I like to think that that's what it came down to for me. Um, I just found as well, like whenever I wanted to start a new project or put energy into something else, uh, my fiance is similar in this in that we both, we can only really work on one project a day. Um, because when, when, for example, for me, when my energy is focused on something, it like it kind of tunes into the polarity of whatever that subject is. If it's like a jujitsu project or I'm writing an article for another website or whatever it is, like if it's a creative endeavor my brain tunes into that part of itself, like the creative part. And then if I go and look at a spreadsheet and detune it back to that spreadsheet mode or answering a customer email mode or whatever it might be, it's kind of lost for the day. I've lost that. Do you know what I'm saying? Does this make sense? If you look at my closet, I have a printout, black and white printout that says color of the day. <laughs> and in Thailand, there is a chart that says your lucky colors of the day, the unlucky color. And at first I thought it would just be funny to, to, to wear the color and maybe like the Thai staff at the coworking space would notice and have a laugh from it. But what it's done is it's eliminated a decision right in the morning, right when your brain is just waking up and normally, you know, it's, you're kind of groggy and you're thinking, okay, I got to figure this out. I got to figure this out. Get to the office, you open that spreadsheet or that customer email and it just takes mental energy. Mm-hmm. And by me just looking at the chart and just matching up the color, <laughs> grabbing a shirt that has color, first off, I feel like it's a little mini accomplishment mm-hmm. in the morning. But also, second, it's one less decision I have to make. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about waking up and, and having to deal with this other business that I, I really agree with, when I was running my dropshipping store, one of the biggest reasons why I sold it was because even though it only took me maybe one or two hours in the morning to take care of, it was a 24-7 drain on my brain. Yeah, 100%. You took the words out of my mouth. It was, it's almost like... Uh I don't really believe in the um, your brain is the hardware, your thoughts are the or your conditioning is the software analogy anymore. But it's it's probably the best one we have for how our minds work. And you know how like your computer has all these background process processes running, right? Uh, for me, that was a background process and very often a foreground process that was just chowing up emotional energy, mental energy, like just on a massive rate. And I'm, it's the strangest thing about life, dude. I'm sure you've experienced this a, a lot. Like you have to be able to let some things go to start other things you just you it's just a law of nature or the universe or whatever you know what i'm talking about even with the relationship 100 yeah 100 yeah um i've been wanting to to talk to larissa more often just because i miss her you know mm-hmm. and we're friends but i just stop myself because i know that if i keep her around as even as a, a friend that i talk to all the time or someone that i call when i'm when i'm lonely or i'm bored it's really hard to move on yeah it's an energetic tie it's an energetic tie. Like life, I've seen it so many. The weirdest thing happened as well, Johnny. Like not a word of a lie. When I, there was another uh, project in my life that I'm really wanting to put uh, or that I wanted to put focus on and wanted to grow. And it was one of the things that was suffering um, 
uh, because of my involvement with this other business. And uh, the day after I left officially, it, like two or three people just messaged me out of the blue saying, hey, dude, would you come on the show? Would you do this for us? Or would you write an article? Or I've got this opportunity. It was the weirdest thing. It is way, way more than just coincidence. Um, it's one of those things that makes me believe in like the, the, the unseen world, you know? Yeah. And I have no idea if somehow it puts out a signal in the world of your availability or maybe you start noticing these opportunities more often when you can actually do it versus, you know, having it kind of just get lost in your inbox or, you know, or not, you know, just not thinking twice about it. But I, I do believe that once you, once you kind of free yourself up, you see a lot more opportunities or a lot more opportunities come somehow. I, my theory at the moment, uh, or the theory I, I subscribe to is, uh, I don't know if you ever, do you know who Terrence McKenna is? No. He was a, a psychonaut and a philosopher, one of the, probably one of the greatest minds of the 20th century. And uh, he had a saying which was that nature loves courage right and i really believe that i believe that when you act courageously nature rewards you uh, most of the time i mean obviously like if it's to, like push a woman out of the road and when a truck's coming sometimes it doesn't reward you you get squashed but most of the time nature or the universe or whatever insert whatever word you want to is it's waiting for you to step up and take that courageous uh, action and no one can do it for you no one can do it for you like if for example i had waited and let things get so bad with my business partner and everything until he just like contacted a lawyer and we had to like and i was forced out of it i can guarantee you pretty much that those opportunities wouldn't have presented themselves because i wouldn't have because i didn't have to act courageously i just let it happen if that makes sense yeah i i agree i i definitely agree on being courageous and that fortune favors the bold. 100 percent, dude 100 percent. yeah i like it funny man. uh funny you mentioned that i actually was just there was someone i was writing a letter to earlier today and uh, he the biggest influence he ever had on me or one of the biggest influences he ever had on me he was explaining how not even not even to me directly through one of his um, programs he was explaining how if you do something that you fear um and he uses an arbitrary scale like let's say you fear swimming in the sea in a shark in fact in shark infested waters let's say on a scale of 100 1 to 100 that scares you on a level of 60 right if you do that thing you're rewarded with the equivalent units of courage so you'll gain 60 units of courage obviously we can't really quantify these things but the analogy is the best it's one of the best analogies we have and that always stuck with me it's like when you do those things you fear you're always rewarded with that courage i, I can definitely see that and i think there's a lot of things that like for example they've closed down what they call the the Chiang Mai Grand Canyon it's the the red mud quarry that we used to go cliff jumping at yeah. I think finally uh, enough people have drowned there now where they've officially just close it down and it's almost always just an accident uh, I think the the first person I heard of, of drowning there was drunk and you know he's being an idiot uh, the most recent one they jumped they were fine but the person behind them was an idiot and jumped right on top of them so normally you're supposed to wait you know watch them surface clear move out of the way and then you kind of announce i'm gonna jump <laughs> this person just jumped straight in after landed on this person's head knocked him out so he blacked out and the problem with the quarry is it's not like a pool where you can just swim down and grab the guy and bring him up because it's murky right it's murky and it's deep it's like 20 meters deep it's literally impossible mm -hmm. to to go down and grab someone so they finally closed it and i remember a few years ago I was standing there and everybody was jumping. Everybody was, you know, in their early 20s, backpackers. So they're, they're courageous. And I was thinking to myself, why am I, Why should I jump? I've, I've actually jumped from that exact spot before. So I know, I knew I can, I've done it before, so I could do it. And I was logically telling myself, there's no point of, 
of putting myself in this dangerous situation again because I've already done it once. I have so much going for me because I think at that time, this maybe this was three years ago now, I had just started making money. It was like the first time ever like I just started making money. I was finally in shape. I was finally happy. And I was thinking, why am I going to jump? You know, why am I going to risk it? But I did it anyways. And as soon as I did, I learned two things. One is how easy it is to injure yourself. Because uh, I think I... I remember what it was. I think I bit my like my tongue or something. No, oh, jeez. And luckily, it wasn't as bad as it could have been because it you know easily you could just snap off, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but second, I also did get those sixty courageous points, and after that, I really felt like instantly that it was worth it, that, mm-hmm. that I gained something from it. So it really is a, a, a this strange balance of am I doing it because I'm. F- I'm afraid and it's it's an illogical fear and the the chances of getting hurt are very small Mm -hmm. or is the risk of getting injured or killed actually very high (laughs) because in those cases you would still get the the courage points if anything you get more but then is it worth it well (laughs) the first person who put me onto the the nature nature loves courage quote uh, is a very very cool guy one of the coolest dudes i know i hope you're out there listening i know he actually listens to your show his name's aurelia and i remember um we were having this conversation at a, at a pool one day and he, he said uh, in his like French accent, uh, you know, bro, I read this book and uh, this thing is in my mind. Nature loves courage. And uh, I was actually on a psychedelic at the time. Um, not a huge dose, but I was, I was a little bit uh, in an altered state. And I remember like turning to him and I said, I was like processing what he said. And I was like, yeah, but you know what else? Nature hates stupidity. And I, I think you got to find that balance, dude, because there are a lot of things that, as you said, it takes courage to do, but that are just plain fucking stupid. Um, and yeah, you better, you better make sure you strike that balance properly. Hey? I'm really glad you brought that up because <laughs> that is the exact, you know, other side of it. And it's perfect. And, and life really is about that balance, right? Mm-hmm. The one thing that I would encourage everyone to just completely strike away is any illogical fears. So if you have a fear of heights or fear of the dark or the, a fear of snakes or spiders, get over it. Because even though, yes, a spider can kill you, a snake can kill you, the, the heights can kill you, in general, it doesn't. You know, it's not something that you need to be afraid of day by day. It's something that is, in most cases, 99.9% of the time, will just keep you from enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to use my mom as an example. She is afraid of lizards. <laughs> and when I say lizards, I don't mean like big Komodo dragons that the tiny are scary. Gecko. She's afraid of geckos. <clears throat> yeah. Geckos are completely harmless. They just scour around. They eat bugs, maybe mos- mosquitoes. They have no teeth. <laughs> They're not poisonous. They don't bother you mm-hmm. at all. And she's deathly afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And this is completely an illogical fear. And it pisses me off because <laughs> it ruins uh, our dinners and our, our family gatherings sometimes. Because, like, for example, when we were in Koh Lanta, Thailand, and we were sitting on this our beautiful outdoor dining table at the villa that we rented. We had ordered Thai food takeaway. Take and she wanted to go sit inside on the couch and watch TV. And I was thinking, like, why are you doing this? You know, we're, we're family. We're eating together. Just, you know, just sit outside. And she wouldn't tell us but it was because there was a small gecko running around and when I found out I said you know what if you want to go sit inside and eat by yourself and watch TV go ahead but like you're not going to ruin this dinner well good call dude I wonder how um I mean, have you thought that maybe you could help your mom get over that? I've offered. Like, I really have. You know, and I told her, I said, like, this, there's no reason to be afraid of this. Do you know, do you, do you want to get over this? Because I can help you. She doesn't even want to, she doesn't even like hearing the word gecko. How old is your mom? 
she's now 60 almost okay, yeah. yeah it's tough tough for people to change once they get that age right it's i mean i always tell myself that i'll continue to evolve and grow and be open and adaptable but i don't know if i will be i mean who knows who knows i'm not 60 yet the thing that i love most about my like my culture and kind of growing up is the respect that we we're we're taught to have for our family and our elders and i, and I think it's a very important thing but this on the flip side of it is not um not help each other grow and respecting someone for no reason so when we were on the cruise on the, our very last day we woke up for breakfast and we you know we we're the first ones down there and you know we were the, like tons of family my sister my sister-in-law niece nephew aunt uncle two cousins right it's like 11 of us in total and me my mom and dad uh, went down the buffet and we noticed it was packed mainly because celebrity cruises was very disorganized they wanted everyone to check out at 7 a.m on the last day which is ridiculous no one's gonna do that and but then the breakfast was open from you know whatever 6 30 or 7 to 9 so everyone brought their luggage down <laughs> oh wow and there was no room there was a million people um it was just really like poorly executed on their side and, and we got down there and there was not a single seat we walked around for you know 15 20 minutes to find a an open table and we just got lucky someone had just left we got the table mm -hmm. and while we were sitting and eating the table next to us opened so immediately my dad claims it puts, puts the stuff there and from his point of view he's doing a great thing because when my, my sister or my cousins come they have a place to sit but i had said to him i said you know what maybe we should let someone else sit there because it's so crowded mm. and he got furious he was like what are you talking about you know like there's no seats available if we don't claim this when your sister comes or when your cousins come where are they going to sit and i said to him if everyone had that same mindset we never would have had this table as busy as it is the only reason why we were even able to sit is because other people were you know thinking of the greater good of of strangers and saying you know what i'm I'm not going to claim extra seats that aren't currently being used for our own personal good, you know. Um, and we got in a little bit of argument about it, you know. And he, at first, he said, "You're supposed to just respect your dad. <laughs> You're not supposed to, you know, look down on his decisions. You're not supposed to uh, to even bring this stuff up, you know." And he made a very good point, you know. And and I. And I do respect him a lot. Uh, same with my mom. But then I explained to them, I said, look, to me, it's exactly the same as if you were spitting on the ground in public. If if I just respected you, I would never say anything. I would just let it, let it be. Because maybe that's in your culture or that's um, you know what you grew up doing. But as your son that cares about you and wants our generation to evolve and become even better, more civilized, you know, people that fit in especially and don't, you know, not even, not even about fitting in, but just like being the best version of ourselves, I would definitely tell you, say, dad, it is not appropriate to spit in public. Mm. And I think when I explained it that way, they finally kind of understood, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't press the subject. I let them hold the space. Um, and ironically, none of my family members came down for, you know, at least half an hour. So easily someone could have sat there. Um, by the time they came, there were plenty of seats available because other people had eaten and left. That's the strangest thing. I've, I've experienced this phenomenon so many times. I've lost track of it. But when you when I'm waiting for a, a train and the train arrives and there's a bunch of people crowding to get on and uh, I want to I go claim a seat, you know, that's like the human instinct. Like I want to get mine before there's nothing left or before the other guy. It's a weird competitive element that I think functions from a very low level energy. I always note when I'm lucky enough or present enough to catch myself doing that and just let that go and just be like, if there's a seat for me, there's a seat for me. If not, you know, like and truly let it go. More often than not, I do get a seat or so something, something will happen like in that'll lead 
lead to my better benefit or more harmony or whatever it is. Like something will happen that's positive. Um, and if I forget that energy or forget about that and I just act from that low level energy and just like scramble and like fucking shoulder charge the old lady out of the way to get the seat or I'm not saying I do that, but you get you get the point. Like it just, I don't feel good about myself. I'm like, man, is this what I've become? Like, am I, am I... Even if you get the seat, you're not happy. Yeah, yeah. You, just, you feel like this like... And know, I, I uh, noticed that I see that so much in, in business and, and like, I think the biggest, the biggest area that you see it in is, is beyond business even it's just money in general is like people generally have that scarcity mindset and that's why they met, they screw each other over it's like if you if you believe that money was an abundant thing and that like you're going to be taken care of as long as you put good energy out into the world and you keep doing your thing you treat everyone fairly and you don't scrabble and scrape and stab and cheat and lie and steal for money you just don't because you know like man it's what goes around comes around and like as long as i'm cool things are going to be cool you know whereas if you're coming from that other polarity which is like i got to trample the herd before they trample me you, you get what i'm saying right i absolutely agree with you and i just recently found out that this, that saying love oh, no sorry uh money is the root of all evil the love of money is the root of all that evil. is the actual quote yeah yeah, yeah and that's very interesting and i was people, thinking about that today actually yeah in fact i was just at lunch with um, an interesting guy and he just said he said i like he was teaching me something about seo or something he said uh i don't know where the conversation was going but he said i just like money man and then i, I thought about what he said and i, I was about to say i like like money too but then i thought is that a wise thought to have or a wise thing to say and put out there into the universe and yeah. i was like i just said no i enjoy money i enjoy yeah. money and what it can do but I'm yeah i'm gonna sell myself to it I, I i think that's the differentiator i really enjoy the things that money can buy me uh and offer me and, and allow me to do i really like the utility of money uh, i like also the the reward of of earning money as a as a way to kind of see that what I'm doing is working. Um, way, of like, keep, way of keeping score almost. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But I don't think I've ever, and, and thankfully, I guess, I've never like loved just the money, you know? Like money's not even really real. <laughs> if you think about it, the, the digits in our bank account, they're just fucking digits. You know? They're controlled by someone out there, a bank that they don't have the money. It's not like, <laughs> you know, it's not like they have like millions of dollars in cash laying around or, uh, or trillions of dollars in cash laying around. Even if they did, it's just a bunch of paper. Like that's not, like what is that you know it's not like there's gold laying around in you know in our treasuries to support that mm -hmm. and then even gold why is that worth anything mm -hmm. it's it's one it's it's such a crazy thing to think it's, about it's arbitrary but it's also it's one of the things you agree it's it's one of the aspects of the game or the parameters of the game that you agree to when you come to play or that you have to abide to if you want to play the game like i have a friend who very smart man hyper intelligent and he tried to go to the extreme of just being like i don't need money i don't need to engage with it like the, the world will take care of me and he was pretty destitute pretty quickly um and that was really a big lesson for me I, I'm, it made me realize that like money is something to be respected you know because when you say it's, it's not really anything i don't agree with that i think money is actually a symbol of energy it's a store of energy and even though it might not be uh something sitting in your bank account like an actual safety deposit box with x number of gold bullion bars or x number of whatever the, that is it's representing an, an energy that's been accrued or developed or created or i i definitely agree with that i think it's, it's very similar to even like a bitcoin chain block mm -hmm. you know it maybe it's just a bunch of numbers somewhere, but yeah, it doesn't mean it's it's been something that has been created and it symbolizes something. I think we're very lucky where most likely it'll never happen to us and knock on wood. But there's some you know, when whenever currency devalues, 
that you know agreement has just been broken mm. and that is it doesn't scare me because i figure if it happens it happens and if it happens especially to the u.s dollar the whole world's screwed so it's <laughs> something I, I don't really actively think about but i i do have compassion for people who let's say they had worked their butts off they had you know uh, acquired you know their life savings in whatever their home currency was and that was and they were playing by the rules you know they worked hard they got rewarded for it and that energy was symbolized what they had earned what they can spend and you know i don't know if it's overnight or over years but it just goes away yeah i've I actually have had very similar thoughts as well and realized that uh life isn't fair man or at least if it is fair we don't know what the parameters are like when you see that guy that loses everything uh, overnight even though he worked hard and played by all the rules maybe we don't know what the actual rules are or he didn't know what the actual rules were um and that's one of the things my business partner and i actually uh we have philosophical debates on it uh, over and over because he's always saying to me like why why don't you just chill out and enjoy life dude like even though I do enjoy life, I think what he's trying to say is like, why are you always trying to figure things out? You know, why are you like trying to find little hacks and this and that? Well, the thing I say, I say to him all the time is like, you know, what I'm just trying to do at this point is I'm just trying to figure out the rules of the game I'm playing. That's, that's all I'm really doing. I want to know what the rules are so that I can be the best player of the game I can possibly be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Definitely does make sense. Uh, I also do agree with your business partner where sometimes it's better not to overthink things. You know, this is, to be honest, that is the the number one reason why I don't do any psychedelics is because I don't want to overthink things. And I know 100% that if I did, if I used any, I would just think and think and think and think. And maybe... I would learn something great. Maybe my mind would be expanded and opened to a whole new realm of possibilities, mm-hmm. but I don't need it. Okay, but here's the thing. Uh, would you say that it's a fair or accurate statement that the reason you're doing so well today is because you put a lot of thought and mental energy into figuring how to get yourself into this position? I definitely think to a point. I, I One of the things that helped me a lot was doing that 10-day cellar meditation. And even though in those 10 days, I thought more than, you know, most, some people do in their lifetime. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things where if I were to do that every day or if I did that every month, I, I don't I don't think it'd be worth it. Uh, I think it's one of the things where I'm glad I did it once. I even did mushrooms once and I learned a lot from that experience. It was like 10 years ago or something and definitely expanded my mind that time. But more than thinking and expanding and reading and learning, it's just taking the action. Taking action, yeah. Uh, what's the... It's, I think it's a Latin term, praxis. It's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's just like, otherwise it turns into, uh, a friend of mine uses the term mental masturbation. Like, it's how much can you take those visions and uh, thoughts and ideas and, and put them into the world? Like, I think, yeah, there's a... But you have to have the thoughts in the first place to be able to take the action. I guess is my point. Do you agree? Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think that it's very important to have those great, those positive thoughts and, and the, the, you know, know what your journey is, know what your path is. Um, and that's why, you know, things like a Tony Robbins seminar, I think would be really beneficial for someone who doesn't know what their path is, doesn't know what, you know, what's clear on their path. But I think that people who, let's say they go to a seminar like that, and then they don't take the action, it was, it's, and then they look for more, um, you know, more clarity, more guidance, you know, uh, mm. and... They there comes a point where it's just their wheels are spinning because they're trying to absorb so much different stuff and taking so many pieces of advice and i mean we've all i'm sure you've been through that as well like i've definitely been through it's that. the same thing with online business i mean if if you know nothing and you don't know even one path you know i don't, I don't really see how you would make money online yeah but if someone 
shows you a path and it generally works and there's some kind of guidance where you can follow along mm-hmm. but then instead of taking an action you just you know you start researching this the other method path, yeah. or the next path yeah. or the next thing and you end up doing nothing if anything it hinders you yeah 100% it, it's uh don't really want to bring up martial arts but I'll, uh, it's, one of, it's one of the things I do so like in jiu-jitsu I see it all the time they're those guys who they want to know every single technique and every single move and they the problem is they never get any real depth they have they might they might uh, get breadth of technical knowledge but they never go deep into understanding one specific technique and why it works and how to use it um, and I, I think uh, it's tied in Tim Ferriss speaks of uh, the world reward specialists and I, I think there's especially with the pro- proliferation of information and the easy access of information we're bombarded with so much stuff man and I think what's becoming uh, an invaluable skill in this age is the ability to focus and exclude information and and actually disregard information it's the other day like a friend of mine uh, actually a mutual friend uh, of ours he said to me you need to read this book it's going to blow your mind it's going to change your life and he was the way he was talking about the book I was like I, I could feel that part of me was like yeah maybe this is going some answers that I can use maybe this is going to help me play the game and I actually realized no I cannot read this book I I was about to buy it on Amazon and I realized no I'm not going to read this book I have enough stuff floating around in my mind I've got enough in my mind I've got enough information and I'm going to disregard this and it was it was quite a pivotal moment for me because most of the time or well, before that I would have got that book for sure this is why Ty Lopez is an idiot <laughs> besides to the other reasons why he's an idiot oh jeez me I get a bad vibe of that too, <sighs> for sure as the very first video I watched of him, I had that same icky bad vibe. I'm yeah. like, this guy does not have good intentions. Yeah. He, there's something about him that is just this like disgusting, vile heart of a of a man. And I remember watching a video of this other guy that was not endorsing him, but kind of saying, "Hey, get off this guy's back. He's just recommending everyone read books. There's nothing bad about that. You know, it's a you know he gives great recommendations. And I think most people when they make fun of him, it's because all he you know in every video he's like." Look at my my Ferrari. Look at my bookshelf. If I, you read I don't these even books, think that is his Ferrari, dude. I, I think he just rents it for the day and then takes a video in front of it. So I don't know anything about him. Uh, I, I, I don't even want to waste my mental energy thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But if I was going to guess, I imagine that in the beginning, he rented Ferraris mm-hmm. or Lamborghinis or a big house, whatever it was, made these videos kind of um, showing like, the lifestyle part of it and say you know again giving this generic advice and inside kind of almost a little bit deep you almost have to look for it like in his in, in the descriptions um he has a link to either some kind of course or an affiliate product of something that probably doesn't work i'll bet money that mm-hmm. it's some crap uh, but that's where he made a ton of money and in general if you have a big audience you'll make a lot of money mm-hmm. and, and it's, it's this you know hard thing in life but if you have a big enough audience there's gonna be enough people who are gonna follow you that they'll follow whatever you say, right? And I think what he's done now is with the money he's made, yeah, he's yeah. went out and bought those that same Ferrari, yeah, that he same Lamborghini. He made it basically, yeah. yeah. And you know what? A part of me actually, I don't appreciate the lying part of it, like pretending it's his Ferrari, but I do respect those people who have the the confidence or the belief in themselves to go and like just say, look, I want to be the best in the next big thing in public speaking or whatever it is. 
and go out there and fake it till they make it. I, I respect that, but it's it's the lying, like because that is misleading. That is just plain dishonest, like posing yeah. with a car that isn't yours. And uh, and again, I'm not sure if he does do that. I I don't know. It just that's what it appears to me at the moment. He's, that's exactly how it feels to me, and I'd be willing to bet that that's exactly how it yeah. happened. And you know what? Um, again, I don't really have anything personally against the guy. I, I I don't know much about his stuff. I'm just I've watched one or two of those commercials, and as you said, it's the way it makes me feel. And I think that. The thing that I take solace in is I think one of the rules of the game, and it's an unseen rule, and it's not it's not really spoken about that much, but it's it's kind of like it's not really your it's not really your actions that that determine the your karmic responses or your karmic things. It's the intention that you put into things. It's the energy behind things, and I think that. Yeah, I, I, I you know feel like saying, his energy right? is is not pure. Yeah. And, and yeah, let's talk about something else. Well, actually, <laughs> we, there's a, re- a couple of really good points uh, with these things I just wanted to bring up. One is by reading a lot of books, even though it is great advice to read a lot of books, um, especially with you know by people who you can learn from, you can mentor, you know, that can mentor you through their books. I, I really believe that books are the best value in the world. For ten bucks, you can get someone's you know three year journey or thirty years of mistakes. Uh, the reason why I don't like his advice. Is he doesn't he just tells you to read a book a day, right? And the problem with that is, first off, you might be skimming through it if you're reading it mm-hmm. too quickly. Uh, but second, more importantly, you're not taking action. For me, my advice to everyone listening would be to pick up a book from someone who you want to learn from or follow their their path, read it, and take action while you're reading it. So every time there's something, a chapter where there's an action to take, take that action, and then go back, read the book, take the next action, mm-hmm. and continue that until that book is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you need more inspiration, when you need more actions, then pick up the next book. Mm-hmm. And that would be my advice to everyone. I think anyone who says they're reading a book a day, unless you have an, you're an extreme outlier with uh, a skill set that I'm not yet aware of or an ability that I'm not yet aware of and can absorb a full book and integrate and process and analyze all the principles contained therein in a day, I just don't think that's possible. I really don't. And uh, that's another example of breadth instead of depth. Uh, so the other thing that I, the only reason why I even brought him up and the only reason why I've actually considered making a video or something calling him out isn't because like, at first I thought, you know what, he can do whatever he wants. If someone follows him and finds him, that that's on them. The only reason why I was tempted to make a video and I might still is because he's paying for ads now that pre-roll in front of my videos. Oh shit. So yeah. people who want to watch one of my videos, it's they're forced to watch his and then they see this flash they see this fancy Lamborghini and fancy Ferrari and they think oh who's this guy like he must be endorsed by Johnny if it's on his video or um, you know he must know what he's talking about because he's on there and the second reason is and I feel really bad for kind of you know the world now is one of the people I really like in the world is Mark Cuban you know I I love him on Shark Tank you know he's a brilliant entrepreneur but this kind of just shows how having a big audience is is a, not only a bad thing, but it gives people permission to do stupid things. Where Mark went on his show on his YouTube channel, which is basically an endorsement for Ty Lopez, and you know, kind of lends him credibility. Wow! But Mark probably doesn't know anything about him. He just knows that this guy's a big YouTube audience, and Mark wanted to go on to promote his app, his um, Cyber Dust messaging okay. app. And it's it's this crazy thing where now people who aren't very savvy. That don't know anything about online business, they will see, oh, well, Mark Cuban is famous. He's on Shark Tank. He's, you know, a successful guy. He's on this guy's show. Therefore, Ty Lopez must be uh, legit as well. Mm-hmm. 
and Ty Lopez has this Ferrari and this uh, Lamborghini, so he must be legitimate. So I should just learn from him. I, you know what never ceases to amaze me, Johnny, is when you see a guy like Mark Cuban, right? I don't know what his net worth is. It's my understanding it's in the billions, if I'm not mistaken. When you get to that level, like, do you really need to be going on someone's show to sell something? That's the question. Like, I just keep, I don't know. It, it just doesn't really gel with me. I can understand if you're Bill Gates and you want to promote the Melinda the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and you go on some guy's show I get that but I mean why would he need it just blows my mind do you have any answers to that I don't know when like I guess enough is enough right or maybe maybe people have bigger goals and ambitions when I'm there maybe I'll think that's enough um but at the same time, I know for me, for, for sure, 100%, it's, I, I know at some point, I, I won't need more money. I might make more money, but I won't have it be like a priority. Uh, and I know this for sure, because even today, even though there's a lot of things I could do to make a lot more money, I don't really care, you know? And I know that as long as I continue doing what I'm doing in a very authentic way, that a way that I enjoy doing it, and, uh, and also in a way that I am proud of doing it, the income will come, the money will come, mm-hmm. and, and you know maybe I can fast track it, or I can you know ten x it if I did something differently. But that's not like in my in my vision, you know. And I know even today, even you know, even though I don't have as much money uh, as my net worth as my goal would be, even now I'm just like I don't care. Like it's mm-hmm. there's enough money. Like I'm you know especially because I live pretty frugally, and you can sleep soundly, and I sleep very soundly. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I used to work with a guy who was wealthy and. Uh, very wealthy and he he couldn't sleep properly man and at the time i didn't figure it out but now i know it's because he fucked so many people over and like it it weighs on you man it weighs when you're putting that energy out like look maybe ty lopez has 10 million dollars in his account like and maybe he's a psychopath that doesn't feel human emotion and uh, in that way or a sociopath i don't know which which the term is maybe he's both yeah maybe he's both but either way that is going to come with some serious karma dude that is going to have that's some spiritual baggage like like lying I to that really, many people i really believe so yeah, yeah you know i think actually one of my missions one of the reasons why i do this is and one of the reasons why I want to grow my audience so much is I want to be that. Like, I feel like it's my moral job, my imperative to counter that with real information, with information that actually works, you know, interviewing people who have actually been successful, have actually done, uh, you know, done what, they, what they're saying, you know. And this is why I only interview people who I have met in person. You know, I think like 99.9% of my interviews are in person with someone that I know personally that I've met and I know their character mm-hmm. versus somebody that's a big name that maybe can give me a lot more downloads that has, you know, this cheesy marketing story. And I get these emails all the time with these big name guests that can drive my audience higher, but I just refuse to have them on because, I, you know, I feel like people listening to my show, they know that whoever I have on, I am vetting. I am saying, this is someone that you should listen to. And if not, you know, I'll call them out on, on air. <laughs> yeah, good for you, man. I, I completely understand. Um, but at the same time, I often think to myself, like maybe if I was Mark Cuban, I would be making those exact same decisions. In fact, I know, you know, there's that expression, uh, there, but the grace, thereby, but by the grace of God goes I. Have you heard that expression? No. So uh, it's in the book, How to Win, Flen- How to Win Friends and Influence People. And um, he's saying, uh, if you ever see a, a poor person or someone acting inappropriately or that you look down upon or whatever, someone in a bad situation, 
you just always remind yourself that uh, if you were in their shoes, like if you had their genetic makeup and were born into that family at that time and that socioeconomic uh, background, you would be that person. You'd be in the exact same spot. And it's called there, but by the grace of God, go I, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if I would be. And actually, here's an example of that is I was just, well, I was wondering and I was really thinking the other day, if I was really poor. You, you think know? too much, bro? Yeah. <laughs> if I was living in like, let's say one of these fishing villages and there was, you know, garbage all over you know, the floor, right? What would I do? Would I just accept it and leave it? Or would I clean it up at least around my village or my house? And I really thought about this. And I actually asked on Twitter, what are the poorest countries in the world that don't have a, a litter problem? Uh, a lot of places like India or Malaysia, or Indonesia, are disgusting when it comes to just garbage and litter uh, around their beaches and mm-hmm. you know their their public places. Um, India just on the streets everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it. I'm like, if anything, the poorer you are, the less you should be buying things like disposable diapers or things wrapped in plastic. Mm-hmm. So you should actually have less garbage throw away in the first place so less waste to even manage um you know the cheapest things in the world are not wrapped in plastic you know they're not disposable they're mm-hmm. you know they're things that you, you would have to reuse right mm-hmm. and also the second part i thought is it's free to be clean and it's mm-hmm. common sense to me to want to not have garbage around where you live it's more beautiful it's you know more hygienic it's just nicer you know it feels it feels nicer to not have garbage around and i am 100 percent sure that even if i was born in like the poorest place in the world i would see this garbage around and i would clean it up but you you're disregarding um this is a very interesting topic i think you might be disregarding the impact of uh nurture you know the nature versus nurture mm-hmm. argument um what you saw what you're saying is you you you're looking at the nature part of it you're saying that that's your nature to be clean and everything but you don't know like the a person who lives in, let's say, hypothetically, a dirty household, um, they might have been nurtured in a society, in a culture or a neighborhood that doesn't really put that much emphasis on having clean streets. And I would like to say that I, I don't think many of those people want to live in those conditions. I think that there's so many factors and th- so many things going on for, let's say, I don't know, the poor Indian villager who's got garbage outside his front door. I mean, when you realize how miserable and how downtrodden some of those people are and the fact that this guy has been carrying something on his head for 10 or 12 hours and he's got eight children and like he gets home and the only thing he wants to do is literally eat and sleep because he's just broken and he doesn't have time to go and mow his lawn because he a doesn't have a lawn and even if he did he just doesn't have the energy you know i think there's there's so many variables and so many things that go into it that i know you're a clean guy yeah. and i understand what you're saying but try and that, you, that you expression there but the grace I, of god i, go I think what you're saying it definitely makes logical sense and i think the problem is that's an excuse we give people you know we we just assume you know and and and, and, and from a, a point of view of just like a humanitarian point of view you're like oh yeah you know what they, their lives are so tough but from my point of view i'm like they shouldn't be buying that crap in the first place it's more expensive to to buy something in plastic than mm-hmm. to buy a potato or something that's not wrapped in plastic for mm-hmm. example um you have kids that you can force them and you know and say when you get home from school or maybe you're so poor you're not even in school this is your duty and i really believe that if someone had the if somebody wanted their house to be clean or their space around them or in their village, it could be. It doesn't cost any money. If anything, it costs less money. And I, I don't think it's, it's an excuse. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, some of what you said, I agree with. Some of it, I don't. But either way, it's an, it's an interesting uh, thought thought experiment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so the, actually one of the reasons why this is actually really really interesting is I think of this at the same lines of excuses you know somebody is so busy at work they're so tired um, you know they have so many bills to pay they're already in debt they don't want to start a business on the side you know they're too tired to do it they're too tired to even read a book you know they're mm-hmm. um, they have everything kind of going against them and that can be an excuse not only that they get themselves but other people give them and say you know what yeah their life is so tough I don't expect them to you know to want to go to adult school and learn English you know, or you know um, better better their lives but I think I look at it and I'm like because I've seen so many people who are that defy all odds mm-hmm. and they say you know what this is my my goal this is something that's important for me this is gonna make my life better this mm-hmm. is gonna make the world better society better I'm just gonna do it anyways fair enough I mean I have often thought about that and I've had discussions with people where I, I do believe that there is there are very few situations that you can't get out of with enough willpower and and focus but it definitely is harder for for some than others no doubt about that definitely harder but the rewards are that much greater that's true yeah i think about that a lot a lot that's one of the things uh, I've spoken about on many other podcasts as well. It's like the, the guy who's born into a wealthy family and has a trust fund and everything's given to him on a silver platter. Like, God damn, no wonder a lot of those guys just are miserable. They end up as drug addicts or like, it's because like, where do you go from there? Like, where do you go from like your first car as a Ferrari? And yeah, I don't know. It's just like for me. I, I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the let's say someone uh, someone listen to this you know if you're poor and you're you're from india and there's you know your your salary might be 150 dollars a month it might be 10 times harder for you to start a to start a business than someone who grew up in the u.s or mm-hmm. in, in the uk or something to make a thousand dollars right but by you making that extra thousand dollars online your life is going to improve a hundredfold mm-hmm versus someone from the UK mm-hmm. making extra thousand dollars barely you know barely adds to their their beer and, and drinking fund that's so true and you know it's strange my my perception and, and thoughts and opinions have shifted a lot during this conversation but now I'm, I'm thinking of a guy like Ty Lopez and I, I don't know what his background is but I would presume that he wasn't a trust fund kid or doesn't come from a, a very wealthy background um, and you got to respect the hustle you know for me I respect the hustle the fact that he's he may or may not have been using dishonesty to do it is not cool but at least he's been hustling right I definitely I don't respect that type of hustling uh, and if anything I'm actually almost very disappointed that it's it's, it's not even his fault I honestly think it's the fault of the people looking at him and watching the videos. And I don't want to say punish the stupid or, you know, people are dumb for falling for it. But it's, it's, I guarantee you, it's because people are looking for that shortcut, you know, and they're like, and they see that flash, they see the Lamborghinis and they're like, I can do this for doing nothing. You know, what's the secret? Tell me the, uh, tell me the, the get rich quick overnight scheme. Mm -hmm. And it is thousands or tens of thousands, now millions of people who are looking for that, that that's why why he become popular. And I know this is true because when I used to read books, never did I read a book and, you know, follow the long path. I read the book to look for that one <laughs> magic bullet. Uh-huh. Then I went to the next book to look for that one magic bullet and in hopes that that would, you know, that would allow me to, to get my end goal mm-hmm. without doing the work. But here's the interesting thing. This is something I've had in my mind for a long time. You read all those books and you looked for all those shortcuts, right? And do you think that it could be argued that all of those shortcuts actually added up to one long path? And no, definitely you, you not. You don't think so? Definitely not. Uh, for example, when I was just out of college and trying to figure out how to meet women, how to talk to a girl at a bar, I read everything 
every single book, and that's like those two years I got in, into the game. I read every book there was, looking for that magic, you know, pickup line or magic way to get a girl to to be attracted to you. And in every one of those books, I'm sure, you know, at least the good ones, you know, would say things like, you know, you should get in shape, <laughs> you should, uh, you know, be confident, you should dress well, you should, you know. Um, be interesting, you know, you should have experiences to share with women, you should be able to be confident enough to be able to have a good conversation, mm-hmm. um, you know, or even things like, you know, girls like rich guys, you know, girls like guys who are wealthy mm-hmm. or famous or the leader of men, someone who is accomplished, someone who, you know, leads a group of, you know, whatever whatever it is, right? Those are the things I always skipped over because I'm like, oh, that's too much work. I don't want to do that. You know, what is, what's the pickup line I can say? What's like the magic trick you know literally a magic trick cart you know what's the car trick i can learn to get a girl to be interested in me versus if i had read that very first book and saw oh women like men who are confident rich and attractive maybe i should just go to the gym get in the best shape i can be in Mm -hmm. work on my business so i can be accomplished and have money and then you know have that organically lead to confidence because i would have earned it yeah, this this is a fascinating subject and I could spend hours talking about it. One of the things, I have this on my mind a lot, Johnny. Uh, you know, that the journey looking in, in other fields of endeavor, for example, jiu-jitsu, right? Jiu-jitsu is just about, just about a collection of shortcuts. And you could look at a technique like the quickest way to finish the fight with a strangle or an armbar or whatever. That's in itself a shortcut. It's a little path to getting the objective you're looking for, right? But one shortcut is never enough. And I think that if you... There is a journey that many people go down, which is they're trying to get to the destination by collecting shortcuts, and eventually it will actually get them to the destination, but you need a hell of a lot of shortcuts, and those shortcuts will usually lead you to becoming the thing on the long path anyway. Does that make sense? I I understand what you're saying, but the way I I see it is that arm bar, people see it being a three-second move, you know, know, the shortcut. Mm -hmm. You you get them in that move, you win the match. They have to submit. Mm -hmm. But... I don't see it as that three-second move. I see it as the foundation. Are they are they physically fit enough <laughs> to mm-hmm. have enough endurance to roll, mm-hmm. to be flexible enough to get in that position, to be strong enough where they can maneuver in there? Uh, do they have the correct base and the correct balance to you know to get there? Do they do they have the right positions? Uh, do they know how to uh, advance to that position mm-hmm. to get to that arm bar? Do they know how you know? There's to me that's what I see. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't see the arm bar as a three second move. I see it as years of foundation work and and you know and then that's interesting. You know and that yeah. comes at a very good time because yeah. I just funny after the meeting I had before this one was with um, an expert uh, on a specific type of internet marketing and he was giving me a bunch of shortcuts right and now sitting here with you I was uh, I was talking to you and when you made that the point you just did I started to think yeah maybe maybe I'm looking for a shortcut and then I realized no dude like. I've built the, my website over years and I've earned the right to use the shortcut. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's not even the, the shortcut. It's like the, I don't want to say the finishing move or the finishing touch, but like the execution button. Like it's yes. the, buy, the, ba- yeah, yeah. the buy now button, you know? Uh, you've, you know, like if someone never learned a single submission and they just focused on, you know, getting in shape, having good cardio, mm-hmm. uh, being in an advanced position, let's say a wrestler, okay? Mm-hmm. Someone's a collegiate wrestler and then they're doing jiu-jitsu. They might be able to dominate their opponent when it comes to stamina and strength and position and control, but if they don't know 
any submission moves, what's you know th- yeah. th- that's it. What's the point? Yeah, yeah, right? Good point. That's a good point. And but that person, they need to know that by they need to put that buy now button on their website. Mm-hmm. They've built the audience. They build the trust. They build the traffic. Mm-hmm. They need that buy now button. Good call. And most people just want the buy now button without building the website. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it fucks up. Exactly. Yeah. By the way, for you guys who don't know who Nick is, he is one of the world's top rated Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu instructors. He's a black belt under, well, the first black belt ever under Hodger Gracie, who is also uh, world-renowned, uh, if anything, is the highest world-renowned Jiu-Jitsu black belt in the world. Thanks so, for that, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was an interesting conversation. Probably yeah. the best one we've had. I enjoyed it. I, I, I'm really glad that you... you wanted to be on the show again I, th- I feel like this this finally that third time's a charm because I think every time I've wanted you on the show I've wanted to share the type of conversations that we have off air and that's kind of a big goal of this podcast mm-hmm. is to extend my network of friends and you know entrepreneurs uh, to my audience and so many times people hold back a bit you know mm-hmm. and I think this is the, the one time that like we really just kind of let everything go yeah, you're cool. 100% open and I love that. That's cool, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Appreciate you having me on. Uh, another tidbit about Nick that people don't know is he was on the Joe Rogan experience. Oh, yeah. Back in the day. It's yeah. been a while. And I feel like this version of you, if you you know, were one-on-one with him instead of having all those other people around, he would have, like that That conversation would have opened up so much more. Hmm. I th- I'm sure I'll go back on the show and then we'll have a, A, I'm not going to be stoned again because last time he pulled, <laughs> he pulled out this huge joint and I hadn't, hadn't been stoned for a long time so I had zero tolerance and I got so high and I was kind of like I was way too fucked up to be fair and yeah like the uh, yeah it would be better to have a one on one conversation with him I think I'm looking forward to that day so Jorgen if you're listening have Nick back on mm-hmm. actually invite me over if you want because I would love to be on the show alright uh, uh, Nick how, if people want to get in touch with you uh, what's your website how do they follow you how can they be in touch um, but so if you're a jiu-jitsu guy uh, or you want to be a jiu-jitsu guy go to jujitsubrotherhood.com and check that out and if you want to hear me having conversations uh, similar to the one I just had with Johnny uh, go to digitalcommunion.com and you'll find my podcast awesome thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you all next week bye bye big thanks to Raul from the UK big thanks from any guy living in the UK and moving to Thailand five stars I want to start off by giving you uh, saying a thank you for putting up such a valuable content came across your podcast around December last year when I started my e-commerce journey and was hooked from the first episode I listened to what I like about most is you have a lot of interesting topics business travel and health related so guys listen to Johnny's podcast and don't forget to take action cheers so we also have RJ Ramirez from the us great great show john johnny is truly the boss i binge listened last night from episode one to the latest one i've heard johnny evolve as a podcaster person entrepreneur and investor he has inspired me to follow a similar path life is too short for the regular nine to five keep it up uh, keep growing my friend keep inspiring my friend thank you rj for that and last but not least for this week we have ryan from canada five stars i'm a lifelong entrepreneur and recent digital nomad myself i discovered this podcast and johnny's blog about three months ago and i've been inspired like crazy uh 
I'll be kicking off my own e-commerce stores in November after finishing a couple projects, not to mention everything else I've learned from his guests. Totally worth a listen. So thank you all so much for taking the time to leave these great five-star reviews in the iTunes store. I know it's a bit of a pain, but I really, really appreciate it because it helps spread the word and brings us up in the rankings so other people just like you can find these episodes. So tell your friends and leave a review and I'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week. And remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.